You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as always, one of the hosts of this wonderful show. And on today's episode, I will bring you a weekend preview of the Pacers games against the Detroit Pistons and the New York Knicks. And to end the show, I have a little wild card segment on Malcolm Brogdon, so stay tuned for that one. But first, let's get to this weekend games, and we have a Friday night matchup against the Pacers and the Pistons. So, finally, the uh, the fourth matchup of this, uh, of this series, the fourth and final one, I should say. Pacers lost the first two to the Pistons, the first one 119-110, the second one 96-94, but won their third matchup 112-96. Uh, those first two games were, I believe, in basically the first three games of the season, and then they played a third time probably about two weeks later in the Pacers' ninth game, the Pistons' tenth game. So really all three of these Pacers games came against the Pistons when they were, one, shorthanded because of a litany of injuries they had to start the year, and two, early enough where I'm not sure they were a huge indication of where the Pacers were now. Maybe that third one more indicates where the Pacers were going. So, for example, they lost their third game to Detroit, right? The Pacers were 0-3 at that point. They are now 14-4 and since then. So, significantly better team. They probably should have won the second one against the Pistons. They had the lead, and that was the game of T.J. Warren sort of, uh, let's just say, botched the, the fourth quarter, last minute of the fourth quarter, uh, like he kind of did against the pissed, uh, the 76ers on Saturday. Coming to theme for this Pacer team is not not the best clutch team right now, but that's not a big deal because they have, they don't have the best clutch player. But so the Pistons, what makes them so good? Not a lot. So they are eight and fourteen, tenth in the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, they are coming off, so they will have played Milwaukee on Wednesday night, and they will they lost to that team one twenty seven to one oh three. But they have won two of their last three, beating San Antonio one thirty two ninety eight and beating Cleveland 127-94. Uh, they rank 11th in offensive rating at, 11, at 110 points per 100 possessions, and they rank 18th in defensive rating with 110.2 points at 18, at per 100 possessions given up. Um, they're actually a net rating of zero exactly, which is interesting. That's uh, it's kind of unique. They're actually the same with the points per game and, off, and opponents' points per game. They're literally giving up the same amount of points as their scoring per game. Pace is 25th. Uh, injuries right now. Reddy Jackson, it looks like, is probably still out. He is uh, being reevaluated in two weeks, according to Detroit News, as of uh, December 4th, so he obviously will not be playing. Uh, and then Kyrie Thompson had a foot surgery about a month ago. He had a six week timetable, but that will kind of put him out um, for this game. So the best player on the Pistons, that's uh, I guess it's up in the air a little bit right now. So you go by points per game, looking at Blake Griffin, right? 18.8 points per game, 5.2 rebounds, 3.3 assists. He's shooting really miserable, you know, percentages at 41 and 31%. That's from the field from three. Uh, he's only played 10 games, so it's a little less than half their games. He obviously missed, I think, the first week or two of the year and is on kind of a weird low management schedule um, with that knee injury. He, well, he is expected to play tonight against the Pacers, so there's none of that issues. But he's probably their most talented player. But, I mean, that's just kind of like ceiling talent. I think Drummond is probably their best player in a in a personal opinion. The guy's averaging 17 and 17 essentially right now on 54% shooting and is shooting 60% from free throw, which makes him an adequate enough free throw shooter to be not hack a Drummond, essentially. Uh, he's been really, 
really good for now. I don't know. You want to call it the last three or four years. I mean, I, I know he's a – well, really, I mean, he's been really good for probably not going on six years. Wow, it's been a long time. So like his last three years, right, it's 15 points, 16 rebounds, 17 points, 16 rebounds, 17 points, 16 rebounds. This year, 13 and 13 in 2016, 17, 16 and 14 in 2016. He's a, he, to me, he is a really, really good – um just kind of traditional center, and honestly, if he was playing with a better guard and a less clunky offense, he might actually be a pretty decent player. Like, I'm thinking if you put him in the Dwight Howard role with the Lakers, or you put him on a team even like the Warriors with all those guys, like, um, he probably isn't going to ever be your, when he's your best player, you're probably not going to win a lot of games. Like, you're going to be at Detroit's where you're probably a continually a 30 the 35-win team, maybe borderline 40 in a season. And that's even when he's probably your best two players. But if he's your third or fourth best player and just kind of doing, you know, all the dirty work, his defense, you know, with, you know, he's averaging two blocks per game. I mean, all that kind of – if he's that kind of player, your team is pretty solid. But against the Pacers, for one thing, he does give them fits. He is a consistent nuisance for this Pacer team um, simply because of his size. You know, I know Sabonis was kind of went up against him in their last game, I think, because – if I remember right, Turner didn't play in the last time they played. Turner only played in the first two. Let me just check that out. Yes, Turner did not play. And Sabonis had 17 and 14 versus Drummond had 15 and 30. So he actually out-rebounded Drummond. So that machine to see if they maybe try to flip that and put Turner on Griffin and let Sabonis guard Drummond. That seemed to work. Um, that machine to see. The other thing is Drummond, last time only played 34 minutes. The previous two games, he played 38 and 40 minutes. So if he's playing that many minutes, that means they're probably closer to winning. I mean, that's if he plays that many minutes, the pieces will probably lose. We'll say that right now. If he plays 40 minutes, he'll probably lose simply because that means the Pistons are in the game and if they're playing that much, they think he they can win. And yeah, I mean, I think I think he'll he's I think to, to me he's the best player on the court against the Pacers cuz I think Griffin gets kind of neutralized in a way. I know he's still pretty good, but I think on both ends of the floor, Drummond is sort of the best player. He disrupts the Pacers the most, but the one thing the Pacers have going for them against Drummond and this and the Pistons team is they're a jump shooting team now. You know, they're not as reliable or reliant on these kind of around the rim shots the way they were in the past, the easy buckets, I would say. Um, you know, with the Lamb, with Warren, with even Brogdon, they have a lot of, you know, good 10 foot jump shooters. And if they shoot well enough on those shots, that's how, that's how they win this game. You know, uh, looking at the Pacers' success, the last time they won 112, 106, you're looking at, you know, McConnell had 17, McDermott had 14, Justin Holland had 16, Sabonis 16, TJ Warren 17, Brogdon 11, um, and Samson had 10. He's not going to play, obviously, but. Uh, it was just a balanced kind of attack from, I'm going to assume, pretty far out. And then McConnell probably took advantage of the non-drumming minutes to score a lot around the rim with his little, you know, what, what do we call it, the the, the around-the-rim six-foot six foot jump shot that kind of clears enough space. Um, so that's how, they'll probably, that's how they have to win this game. Uh, the bench is the, kind of the key also for the Pacers. So the Pistons are relatively healthy. I mean, obviously Jackson is hurt, but compared to where they were, let's say, the last time the teams met, because, like, I don't – I think – yeah, Griffin hasn't played at all against the Pacers. Uh, they had no point guards because they had no Derrick Rose either. So the last game the Pistons played was against the well, like Milwaukee, like I said earlier, and they're starting five, so there was was still no Derrick Rose starting. Or um, in that game, actually, they had they had no um, Luke Kennard, which I'm trying to look for a lineup where he plays. But I believe Luke Kennard is starting now. I believe uh, that might be just because Drummond's not there. But it looks, yeah, I mean not Drummond because Jack is not there. But Luke Kennard has played started 18 games. Um, I don't see him on an injury report, so I don't know why he wouldn't play in this Pacers game coming up. Interesting to play with Milwaukee. I don't. I actually don't know why he didn't, to be honest. But I would, you know, it looks like he is not on any injury report, so he should be playing. So Kennard is the 
the one player where I'm looking for that match in particular. So I'm looking for, I'm assuming Brogdon will guard him because he is, uh, he'll chase him around the perimeter, stuff like that. And if he can do that and stop him, that will kind of be the, I think, the key kind of point. Because um, the Pacers, like I said, probably have the better one through three, probably have the better bench, but at four or five, it's, they're probably worse, but they're probably not that far behind. I mean, I think Sabonis can play with Drummond, but I think Drummond's better, and I think Griffin is better than Turner. This Griffin's, Griffin's, you know, if Griffin is playing at whatever, you know, what he was last year. I mean, we haven't seen, I haven't seen a lot of Griffin this year, so I don't know what, if he's a, a notch below where he, where he was, but he's having a bad year, so maybe not. Maybe he's just going to be, you know, his 15 shots on 40% shooting, which is pretty freaking miserable. Um, but if he's going to stop Kennard and kind of hold Kennard, I think, like I said, he didn't play last time these teams, he didn't play, but the previous time, I think he had 18, and he had like 30 the first time. Um, they hold him down. They maybe keep jumping off the course in foul trouble. That's kind of the key success. And then on the other end, they just they just convert their um, you know, their 10 to 15 shot mid-range game to a 50 plus percent percentage, and they'll be pretty good. Um, I think they win this game. I know it's in Detroit. I know it's the third game of their what five game road trip, give or take. I think it's the third and their fifth game. Um, but I think Detroit's not very good. I think it seems very beatable. Milwaukee smoked them. I know Detroit, you know, is getting better because they're getting healthier, but I I, I do think the Pacers should win this game. However, so it does give them fits. They lost three out of four last year, I believe. They have lost two out of three this year. You know, this game probably won't matter for a playoff race, but I think they should win, especially because the first night of the back-to-back, because the second night will be a little harder when they play the Knicks. Take a quick break. I'm going to preview that game. Welcome back in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. So the Pacers on the second night of a back-to-back take on the New York Knicks. This team is certainly very, very bad. Uh, they are 4-15, and 15, which I believe puts them at last place in the Eastern Conference. I'm going to look up the standings real fast to put up the whole conference, or the whole league, sorry. Uh, they do not have the worst record in the league. That goes to the Golden State Warriors, who are 4-19. and 19, But that's simply because they played less games. So, New York, what is their schedule like? How have they been this year? So New York is now on a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8-game losing streak. Re- most recently lost to the New- to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, 129 to 92. That was last night, actually. Um, so they don't play on Friday night. They don't play tonight. So they will have. They will not be on a back-to-back. For example, uh, the pr- other loss came to the Milwaukee Bucks. Also, like Detroit, 132 to 88. So uh, that's two losses by what over 30 points in the past past two games for the for the Knicks. Um, the Knicks. Just some numbers, real quick, on them. Why they're so bad. They rank 30th in offensive rating at 102.7, and they rank 24th in defensive rating at 113.7. That's a, what, negative 10.5 rating? That's not great. Uh, in points per game, and bonus points per game, they're also a, they're a negative 10.8. Uh, they rank 29th in pace, not a very fast team. Not a very well put together, but on the bright side of the Knicks, they do rank second in attendance, so they are still drawing the fans for some reason. Um, guess it's Madison Square Garden. People have to go to Madison Square Regarding all times of the year. So, who are the best players for the Knicks? Uh, well, one, they have a lot of guard and a lot of forwards, not a lot else. That's uh, that's the first kind of thing to talk about with them. So, their best player right now probably is either some combination of Marcus Morris or Julius Randle, with maybe R.J. Barrett on the wings becoming their best player soon to be. So, their leading scorer, Marcus Morris, 18.3 points per game and 6 rebounds per game, but shooting only 42% from the field, but is shooting 50% from 3 on basically 5.6 attempts. So, uh, a very, a very right now hot three-point shooter um i wondered what his last like 10 games look like because i bet that number 
is, uh, you know, career-wise, like, for example, Morris is more like a 37% three-point shooter. You know, most of his career, at least the last, you know, six years, it's 37.5%, 36.8%, 33.1%, 36.2%, 35.8%, 38.1%, so on, 36.9%. Um, so he's not a bad three-point shooter, certainly. He's, um, I, I would call it in, like, that Draymond level, the kind of level where you're adequate enough where they have to respect it, but you're not, like, going to knock it down every time and be the most clutch player with it. So um, I'm going to grab... The last, you know, 10 games or so from Marcus Morris real fast. So, guys, last 10 games, he's averaging 18.4 points on 42 and 56% shooting. So, that's 56% from three. So, yeah, he's going to probably be um, a threat from three. He's going to take a lot of threes. It sounds like probably almost six and six against the Pacers. Um, but, you know, still not super efficient elsewhere. I wonder what is, you know, if you look at his kind of shot chart, let's, you know, by distance. So, for example, Marcus Morris is shooting... Like 50% in three feet, which is not great. 20% on three to 10 feet, mid rangers, and 43% on uh, 10 to 15, 10 to 16 shots. So his mid range games is not very good, but he is probably their best player right now. But Julius Randle is probably their second best player. Um, so Randle is, uh, I think, kind of the king of good stats, bad team, if I had to say. So for example, he played for the Pelicans last year and had a fantastic stat line. I mean, we're talking. 21.4 points and 8.7 rebounds. And then his final year with the Lakers, where he played all 82 games, he was 16 points and 8 rebounds. And this year, he's about that, almost 17 points and 8 and eight and a half rebounds. So for about three years now, Randall's been a uh, very good stats, bad team kind of a player. Um, that's kind of the player he is, where he, you know, he's like 24% from three this year and 44% from the field. I mean, he's just, he's when he gets a high volume of, Attempts, he puts up a high volume of points. That's kind of how I view it. You know, 14 attempts this year, 15 attempts last year. Um, you know, he gets fouled a decent amount. I mean, you're talking a guy takes five to six free throws per game for the past three years. So he's banging bodies down low. He's, you know, he's putting up numbers, but I don't know if it really leaned anything successful. I mean, you know, the Pelicans last year, what, won like 30 games, if that. Maybe they've won to so the Pelicans last year, went, I think they won like 35 and something. The Lakers year before that were not very good. I mean, he just. He hasn't been on any good team so far in his career. I believe he hasn't been in the playoffs yet. If I look at his stats, he has no playoff history. So he is, in my opinion, the definition of good stats, bad team. Uh, he will be banging bodies with Sabonis probably. I guess he's maybe playing the four or five. I, actually, that's interesting to see to look at real quick. So, yeah, most of their center measures are being played by Mitchell Robinson or Bobby Portis, where Randall's playing most of the four. So, actually, this might fit well for Sabonis if he's banging bodies because um, – this might be one of the few teams where the two bigs actually one is an advantage and is like a super advantage because they're it's actually a little more um, spacing than even this team, right? I mean, the Knicks are the worst in basketball, so that's that's why. But the Knicks really don't have any spacing, right? So by Portis is probably really just a uh, glorified power forward, right? So I mean, if you look at him, let's pull up his. Beat. I mean, he's he is a power forward center, but he's never played center until this year, so they really have no spacing there. Um, so like the reason I said the Pacers should win this game, even though it's a back to back, is because the Knicks are bad. That's that's the summary of the whole this whole thing. The uh, the Pacers have a better point guard, better shooting guard, better small forward, better power forward, better center, and better bench. Um, I don't see a spot where the Knicks have an advantage per se. You can make a case that Marcus Morris at the three theoretically might be better than T.J. Warren or as good, or at least be able to exploit him on the defensive end. But that is basically the only spot I see where they have any any kind of advantage. R.J. Barrett is certainly a young talent who I think could be good. 
but he is nothing. He is not good yet. I mean, he is like shooting a forty percent and thirty percent and taking fourteen shots per game. So another kind of good stats, bad team player. But he's young, so let's let's not. I'm not going to harp on that too much. But yeah, I don't really see this Pacers team losing, barring some game where RJ Barrett scores thirty five points and shoots amazing, or you know one of the other guys, you know Randall Morris having just like an, an out of body experience almost. Like the four Nick wins, for example, are let's see. They're against Chicago, not a good team. Against Dallas, twice a good team, but I that was a I understand that that was so basically if they don't play Dallas, they're two and two and eighteen. Uh, they also beat Cleveland, so they really haven't beat anybody. I just even though it is a back to back, I just don't think the Pacers will lose. I'll probably be wrong, of course, and you guys can tweet at me and harass me when I'm wrong. But let's take a quick break, and I have a Malcolm Brogdon segment to end the show. Today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of the college basketball season, it's time to get off the sidelines and get into action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot for a try parlay, for instance, if you like a couple of big favorites this week, parlays are a perfect way because they let you bet multiple games at once for a much bigger payout. Tired of watching all the games on the couch with nothing to gain? Well, MyBookie wants you to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. And if you join MyBookie right now, they'll match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That's right. If you That means if you put $2,000 down, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use the promo code Locked On MBA. That's the promo code Locked On MBA to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. Welcome back into the Locked On Pacers podcast. So to end this show, I want to talk about Malcolm Brogdon, the six-five guard out of Virginia, has been the Pacers' best player this year and is on a trajectory to have his career best season at 19 points, eight assists five rebounds on 47 34 and 94 shooting he has been incredible uh he has missed all of four free throws this year his three-point percentage is down slightly but that has more to do with the types of threes he's taking and the opportunities he's getting because he is right now the focal point of the offense which he won't become two or three months from now but the guy is rising to the occasion and i think that's because he was undervalued, underutilized, and his potential was not re- not realized by his previous team. So a couple of things I've noticed with Brogdon just to, just kind of the start of the year is, one is his calming presence, his authority he plays with, just the, the little extra moves he understands how to get there, how to make the moves. There was a play against, um, who did the Pacers play last? Going through my head real fast. I cannot remember. Why can't I remember who the Pacers just beat? This is great, great, great podcast. They uh, just beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. He had a move in the first quarter against where he just used a little sh- shoulder shimmy to basically fake off the defender, I think it was Nolan's Noel, and get to the rim. Um, he does all these tiny little extra things right that when they when he was the third best player were great, but they weren't noticeable, right? So when he's, you know, we're talking about a guy whose usage with um, the Milwaukee Bucks was in, I think it was in like below 20. So he was at 18, 19%, 20%, and he's at 26 with the Pacers, right? So usage rate, just for everybody to know that there real quick, if you don't know what it is, basically means how many times he's touching the ball per possession, is the ball going through and whatnot, whatnot. Usually the better you are, the higher usage percentage. Um, you know, I think Vix is close to 30 when during his kind of peaks of 2017, 18. So 
26 is pretty high. It means you're a pretty, it means you're a pretty big focal point of the offense. Like for example, the Pacers. Let's go down a list real fast. Just do it. Um, the top usage rates is Brogdon at 26, Bones at 23, and Warren at 22. Right. So that means you know those are probably the three. Those are the three highest scores in the Pacers. So that kind of makes sense, right? When you think about it. So, anyways, what you notice with Brogdon is as he gets more, gets the ball more, and has the opportunity to make more opportunities, he is. Um, translating those into more success and is using his kind of subtle little moves that, you know, Warner's noticeable when he's on the ball all the time to become even more successful and they're more noticeable now, right? So I don't think he's the most athletically dominant player, right? He isn't some, you know, he doesn't have vitality about speed or Giannis's size or LeBron's strength or even like a Damian Lillard level strength and kind of shooting touch, let's say. But what he does have is, is a Bigger body type for a point guard, so he's 6'5", versus most guards are usually the 6'3", to 6, let's say a 6'1", to 6'3", range. He's got a bigger body type, He and he has a great feet and spatial awareness, similar in a way, not as good as to James Harden, where he understands, you know, how his subtle arm movements and leg movements and shoulder movements and all that stuff can lead to space, different shots and stuff like that, and he's got great touch. He doesn't have a jump shot the way Harden does, for sure. I mean, Jordan, Harden is one of the greatest shooters of our generation right now. But he has a very good mid-range game, which is a key for the Pacers, and is usually a success of this Pacers game is when you have a good mid- mid-range game. And he has an ability to see the floor, I think, better than uh, any pace of point guard I've seen. Probably, I mean, honestly, I can't think of a better, I mean, maybe the Jamal Tinsley days. I don't think he was that good of being able to see the floor. But Broughton just sees the floor in a way that other players don't. And you can see it subtly with the way Warren is able to convert a ton of shots close to the rim, just dunks, you know, cuts. Uh, the pick and roll game with um, Sabonis and him is just unbeatable sometimes because you, basically as long as Sabonis doesn't make a stupid turnover or miss a dunk, it's going to lead to a point. Um, there's just so many different things he does really well, and it, it, it honestly is kind of the, the, the most successful pacer signing of the century, maybe ever. I mean, we're talking... This is a guy who I think teams knew was good. There was some concern about injuries, certainly. He really has never played more than, I think he played 64. He played 75 his rookie year, but hasn't played, played 48 in year two and 64 in year three. Um, but there was some concern about could he stay healthy? Was there a foot injury? Was there other things with him? And he had a back injury, so he's been hurt a little bit. But that felt like that was more um, random than anything else. He had a, like a three-game back spasm, essentially, is what it felt like. There were some concerns that could he handle the usage? Is he as good without being actually honest and you know being in that kind of shadow? But it, it it almost mirrors in a way James Harden, right? There was well, you know, does Darden Harden was a little bit different, wasn't the same kind of thing because Bargain has a really good off the court image, but Harden's was okay, does he party too much? You know, is he a huge beneficiary playing so Westbrook and Durant, and that's why you know he's so good and he can't really be this good when he's not when he's out of their shadow because he's going to be the focus of the defenses and whatnot. But what? You notice is like Harden, when the time came, he rises to the occasion and he's been been successful. Now, do I think he's ever going to be James Harden? No. Two things on that. One is James Harden is a much more dominant offensive player and a much more um, ball heavy to player. Right? Brogdon is much more willing to defer and to set up guys and be quarter kind of the number two than being the number one like Harden to be. But Brogdon was was probably I mean he's probably okay actually being the three on the on the Bucks but whatever it was Brogdon was okay with his role. What's be interesting to see is when Oladipo returns he's going to slide into that number two he's going to be in that perfect spot he might even be the third offensive option behind Warren and Oladipo and when he's at that point 
I think he will be at his best, and I think we'll start to see a guy getting closer to 50, 40, 90. He's obviously at four, at 47, 94 already. But we'll start to see a guy who's shooting better from three, and we'll see him inch his way up because I think he's really making a case for, for an all-star game right now. I mean, he's the best player on this Pacer team. Maybe Sabonis, you can make a case. Um, I mean, really, it's been kind of a share between Sabonis, Warren, and Barnaby. I think Barnaby's been the best player simply because he has been the kind of linchpin of that offense and making it roll. You know, all that stuff. But now Warren's played the entire season, so that kind of helps. And so is Sabonis pretty much. So maybe that's something you said there. But he, I think I think Ron has been the best player on the team. And if the Pacers get an all-star, you know, get one all-star bid, he should be the one to get it. But that's just my opinion. But I, I do think we're seeing things out of Brogdon that just are so translatable to when Oladipo returns. And even if Oladipo is 80% of himself, will help kind of probably but more because he'll be able to take some of the defensive load off him. He'll be able to, you know, instead of Oladipo having to have the ball, he's all the time be able to operate off of space. There's these little things where if Oladipo isn't 100% of himself, like I don't think he will be probably till maybe the end of the year, if not even next year. But if he's 80% of himself with 80% of that speed, Brogdon's ability to space the floor, to find him on the right pass, a time that will make Oladipo's life easier and make it feel like he's at... 90% of himself. So that means when he gets 100% healthy, let's say next year, they're talking about like this team running on full engine, full steam towards maybe an, a competing at least, competing at least for the Eastern Conference title. And depending where the league is at, maybe an NBA championship. But that's really far ahead right now. It's just exciting to see that Brogdon, um, I think, you know, he's not been great from three. And we were, I was concerned after the back injury, but really return from the back injury has been pretty good. Um, he's not been, you know, he's not been like, like off the charts the past you know five or six games but he's still been pretty good to me in 28 against philadelphia so i mean that was a game where he just kind of rose to the occasion in 38 minutes you know so i'm excited for what i see out of him um you know i think everybody else is i think it's pretty obvious but um i just i want to talk about how exciting it is really to have a player like that because really we haven't seen a point guard in a pacer uniform like this in the history of the pacers maybe jamal tinsley maybe mark jackson so i'm excited that's all I got for this Locked On Pacers podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Brogdon, hear your thoughts after the Pistons game, after the Knicks game. You can tweet us at Locked On Pacers. You can tweet at me at Freeman Five or my co-host Tony East at TCWA. As always, we'll bring you a podcast again next Monday, and we'll be all five days of the week, hopefully for the next few weeks till we hit to Christmas. So that is all for this Locked On Pacers podcast. Have a great rest of your day.